Welcome to the Sip and Feast podcast episode. We are not telling you episodes anymore because, you know, we're filming two today. Maybe the second one we want to come out before the first one. It depends on the type of mood that we're in. And this is a really good one. This is one that a lot of people have been asking for, right? A lot of the comments were probably over since we started the channel were always regarding how do I know what type of olive oil to use? What should I buy? What brands are good? That's right. So this is the olive oil episode. It is the olive oil and extra virgin olive oil episode. And like you said, we have gotten a lot of people asking us to talk about or clarify which olive oils to use when, which are some of the brands that we use personally. And we're doing this podcast in response to the olive oil taste test episode that we already filmed, that we were a little bit surprised by how difficult it was to conduct an olive oil taste test, especially when we compare it to previous taste test episodes, the marinara sauce, the frozen pizza. I mean, those were all fairly easy, I would say. The olive oil taste test was certainly the most challenging to yes. date. The olive oil taste test was, and that's why we haven't, fil- uh, that's why I haven't edited edited it it in six weeks. I've had it for we've had it for six weeks. That's right. It's been sitting and stewing, and we're like, you know what? We feel like we need to hash this out a little bit more. We let's be, have let's talk about it. Let's put it in a podcast and we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, I think it's really good. I, I almost feel like if we didn't do this episode, I would almost want to reshoot that th- that footage. And I hate when we do that mm-hmm. when we have to reshoot because. Um, just so you know, guys, like as far as like production and making this stuff, a pod, making a podcast like this is magnitudes easier than creating a cooking video for the cooking videos we make, because our cooking videos are hosted cooking videos. They're not scripted cooking videos. And I'm not saying scripted videos aren't hard either, but when you're scripting a video, you have a shot list and you know, every shot you're going to get when you're doing a hosted style cooking video, there's, there's issues, something happens. I my delivery wasn't good. I have to start over again. Every time I go over the ingredients, that monologue, that's that's ra- rather tough to do. And I've got I've improved with it, but that's that's something that can be screwed up. And just overall, like I'm not I'm not writing a script for be funny at this moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that I come off as not really that, r- rude looking or 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 boring. That's a that's a big gamble that you're taking. I think it's a huge gamble, and because like Tara's implying now, um, the majority of the time she's saying I am not nice and and good and and charismatic and uh-huh. and all those other. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I think you're very funny. <laughs> that came off as extremely forced. Hey, you keep me laughing, so we're, well, I we're all good. Like, I, I, she's like, I laugh at you. I, I just, I was just saying that to be my typical sarcastic self yeah. that I usually am. No, I, yeah. I rip on you all day long, right? Yeah, no, you do. And, and you love it. I, I do. I mean, that would be that would be bad. I mean, if we were if we were serious with each other. Um but yeah, we've been doing those for a while and and they they do cause more stress, I say, than than these podcast episodes. And you know, this is episode this is one of the first episodes still. If you guys have been watching, this is probably episode four or five and when we get to episode 30 or episode 300, we will be so much smoother. We will have beautiful chairs in the background. It will be colorful and it'll be laid back and we'll have guests. It'll be all those things that took so long to get to with the actual cooking videos. That's right. 
So it's like that whole dynamic of the of the host, the the guest, if you have one, all that, where you are, the setting, those things all take time, right? You told me today, Rome wasn't built in a day as I was trying to get two hair lights put up here. That's right. Uh, somebody had commented or suggested that we set up hair lights, right? Because there wasn't enough separation in color. Separation. Is so that right? separate, basically what they're saying is from a videography perspective, when you have dark and you have dark wall, like dark hair, everything blends together. So you, you want to separate the hair. So now there's a light pointing at your hair and mm -hmm. there's a light here pointing at my head. That's right. Now it's hitting me kind of like the side of my face here, but mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's like, this isn't a professional uh, Hollywood set or anything, but no. we, we want to, we always want to try to improve things when we can for you guys. That's right. Somebody had commented that it looked like you were interrogating me like under a hotline, <laughs> like it was a, an interrogation exactly. room in a, in a police, police department. That's exactly what it looked like. And that, <laughs> that just reminds me of, and by the way, that is the way you would shoot an interrogation scene. You would always have it. You would have it like in a dark and dingy room with like brick walls or kind of like that. <laughs> and, you would, and you would put the light above. And, you know, in the old days, you would use these tungsten lights that are super hot. They make you sweat no matter what. Mm -hmm. And you put that over. You're an hour into like you're on take 50. So the guy who guy or girl is being interrogated is fully sweating. And That's that right. actually brings back like this scene from can you guess what show I'm even thinking yeah. of? Yeah. What, what? Seinfeld. <laughs> right. What? And, yeah. I mean, expl explain to people if they've never seen that episode. It's one of the funniest episodes. So let me reach back into my archives and my memory and see if I can pull something out. So it was Newman trying to interrogate Jerry about something. I can't remember what. And instead of Newman putting the hot light on Jerry, he pointed it on himself. And he was asking these questions and sweating profusely. And Jerry was sitting there nice and cool, drinking a <laughs> Coca-Cola or something yeah. like that. But it was just, you know, one of those classic yeah. Seinfeld scenes. That, That's one of the best scenes. That stick in your mind. Yeah, I don't even know what it was about either. Anyway, I digress. The light is above us, and we're going to get into the olive oil discussion right now. Let's back it up, and let's maybe talk about or explain the difference between extra virgin olive oil and regular olive oil. Okay. Um, can you do it, or do you want? would you like me to do it? So if if you want to do it, go for it. I mean, the, okay. I have a I have the textbook. Yeah, definition you got the textbook. Here. So good, and, and that's good. We bring the textbook definition, but basically, it's the olive. It's the first press. That's extra virgin. One shot, right? Well, it's also cold press. Cold press right? and one only one press. Yes. So for it's also unrefined. So it's not heated. It's cold pressed, right? That's that's like the textbook definition. Yes. Regular olive oil is heated to extract the oil. So what does that do? It causes a difference in the makeup of the olive oil. So what one is better for heating and cooking with and the other doesn't have as good smoke point or, or heat. Yeah, well, you don't normally, typically you wouldn't cook with extra virgin, though, though you can. And I, I would really determine that based off of the price. So if you're buying a very expensive peppery extra virgin, I probably wouldn't cook with it. That's mm -hmm. why you, you know, 
you guys will often see me always finish with one particular extra virgin olive oil because that's not really a cooking oil. Though I will say Mario Patali in his videos, his old videos would always cook with that brand. And I believe other other chefs would too. So I personally, and I, I think part of that was like they were being, the show was being sponsored mm -hmm. by that oil or I, there's like a huge display of it in Italy. And that's the, the oil I'm talking about is Frantoia Barbera. But to me, I wouldn't cook with that. It's just a little too strong. Mm -hmm. But that's just one example. Other extra virgins that are much more on the lighter side, I would cook with. And it depends what you're doing. If, if you're, you wouldn't use any olive oil to heat up on high in a pan because olive oil in general is just not a good oil to get smoking hot. It has a low smoke point. Smoke point of olive oil is, I believe, what, 340 degrees? We'll have to look it up. It says, according to experts, a high quality extra virgin olive oil has a smoke point of around 410 degrees. Oh, 410. Okay. That's for extra virgin. Yeah, it says it can be heated as high as 400. Yeah, okay. And listen, yeah. I just want to tell you guys, I've heated extra virgin olive oil often and I never have a problem with it. I, I just, normally it's about a price thing because we use so much olive oil. Uh, I mean, we use a right. ton of olive oil between all the cooking that I love to have the less expensive olive oils, regular olive oils. Mm -hmm. And then I like to have extra virgin, but I actually have three types. We have regular olive oil, not light. I just use regular olive oil. And then I will have an extra virgin for cooking which is often Partana brand. That's the one I use. Yes. And then I will use the Frantoia Barbera for finishing. Though Frantoia Barbera and Partana are both very peppery. They're both Sicilian oils. They're both strong. I do think the Frantoia is a little stronger. Does that, do you agree with that, Tara? I do. Where, when would you use an extra virgin olive oil for cooking? So if I was just like, say I'm sauteing onions and I'm never going to get the pan very hot. Mm-hmm. Because normally when you're sauteing onions, when you're starting a sauce or, or whatnot, you're normally at about medium-low. You're, yeah. you're at about a four out of 10 on yeah. If you If you kick the heat up above medium with onions, you're going to start browning them and put color on them. And for most Italian dishes, you don't want any color on those onions. Once you start putting color on the onions, you're getting almost like, kind of like the flavor you get like in a Mexican restaurant, mm -hmm. like when it's fajitas are coming flavor. out with the onions. Right. Totally just completely different. different. Yeah. When I think about growing up and kind of what my perception of olive oil was, an olive oil, a certain olive oil brand comes to mind. And I think you've mentioned the same thing. Which olive oil brand is that? Definitely Filippo Barrio. And that was the olive oil that my grandmother and my mother to this day uses. My mother doesn't buy any other oil except for Filippo Barrio. Mm -hmm. and, and she really doesn't buy a lot of extra virgin. She just uses the yellow can, the gold can. That's right. The gold can is Filippo Barrio. And then their green can, or the, they, it has green in it. That's the extra virgin. Yeah. It's funny. When I think of olive oil in my head, like that's kind of the brand that that I envision. It's funny. Like if I think of brands that built New York, like built New York in the Italian American community, Filippo Barrio would 100% be one. Palio, I know Palio is mm -hmm. owned by Kraft now or Belgioso or something, something like that. But Palio forever wasn't owned by another company. Mm -hmm. um, Boar's Head. Mm -hmm. 
I'm trying to- Ronzoni? Ronzoni too. Yeah, Ronzoni. Do you know my mom lived? She, my mom grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens, but before she lived in Jackson Heights, she lived in Astoria for a short period of time. And she lived in the the building with the person who owned Ronzoni. No kidding. Yeah. 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 Ronzoni is a uniquely uh, American pasta brand. And yeah. so many people used, used that pasta. The pasina. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ronzoni was like on the less expensive side than like my grandmother didn't use the Checo. Yeah. She didn't use the Checo at all. Nobody used the Checo back then. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Nobody did. Being, I, I remember it just being like Ronzoni or Barilla or there was another brand that's escaping me. Um, I'm trying to think too, but yeah, DeCeco was a premium brand. You know, Frank Sinatra wanted to buy DeCeco. He no, offered to, he that. offered to buy DeCeco for a million dollars. I guess in the '60s or maybe it was the '50s, and they they refused. Huh? That's 100 percent online. Wow. Actually, can you just fact check me to make sure? Because I'm I'm probably you know what? It, it, then people are gonna be like, Jimmy, talking out of your butt. You know? Let's see. There's an article in Italian. <laughs> Well, maybe um, I'm maybe I'm not right about it. Well, no, no, wait, I'm on. pretty sure he wanted the buy, that he offered the buy to Checo. Yeah, you're you're right. Okay, there you go. You're right. Yeah, and I I don't want to go off into a ta- into a tangent with pastas now, but if you do think about brands that are like kind of built that New York area, um, and I didn't go into tomatoes, I would say tomatoes. It would have to be Progresso. It would have to be. Yeah, or or Hunts too. Hunts, Tutoroso, yeah. those are like brands that have been around for a very long yeah. time. So, backing up to your statement about Frank Sinatra, he loved to check his pasta so much that in the 1960s he offered to buy the company for a million dollars, and the company countered him with an offer of seven million, and which he balked at. Yep, there you go. There you go. So you almost, it wouldn't be DeCeco anymore, it would be Sinatra. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, but DeCeco is is a good pasta. It's probably the best value pasta by far because it's, you're getting the bronze extruded, but you're not paying the ridiculous prices that a lot of brands pay. Because we'll often get in the comments, have you tried this brand? Have you tried that brand? Have you tried whatever brand? And guys, I'm not gonna mention names here, but a lot of the brands you're telling me about they're made by DeCeco. You could even look on the bags and it says made by DeCeco in, in the DeCeco factory. Because not a lot of, it's like Kirkland with Costco. They're not making tomatoes. They're not making, you know, they're not roasting beans for coffee. It's another brand is behind it. That's right. So if you want to enter the pasta space quickly, you got to contract one of the biggest pasta makers in the world, which would be DeCeco, Barilla. There's a couple other brands that, that could do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just look on your bags. You'll you'll see you'll see the Checo. What else were we going to talk about with this episode? About like really the purpose of the olive oil, like what you what you use it for? Yeah. So there's a lot of uses, I think, for olive oil salad dressing. We talked about you know cooking with it, finishing. There are certainly some unconventional uses for olive oil that I think we could talk about in a little bit. But as far as olive oil that you'd use for salad dressing, cooking and finishing. Do you have a preference? No, and it matters really what you're looking for. It's really interesting just to look at recipes today versus you can grab old recipe books. So you can grab a book from 
any famous person from 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like use uh, Marcel Hazan's mm-hmm. books, okay? And look at the brands she's using and look at like the techniques and things are not forever. Mm-hmm. Things change. Like the whole idea of having stores with a hundred different brands of extra virgin olive oil was unheard of when I was young. That's a good point. You actually are making me think my grandmother, who I spoke about in a previous episode, she was 100% Sicilian. She passed away when I was uh, seven years old. But one of my vivid memories of her is her salad. She made a really delicious salad dressing specifically. And my mom told me that she didn't even use olive oil yeah. for the salad. It was vegetable oil. Yep. And pro- I think it was pro- either Progresso or Regina red wine vinegar yeah. that she would use, but she wasn't using extra virgin olive oil for her salad. Yeah. And it I was mean, still, let me tell you, I don't think my grandmother, so good. I don't think my grandmother, I think my grandma was probably using vegetable oil as well. Mm-hmm. These are, these are not unique things that they both did it the same way. That's what everybody did then. That's it's right. just, it, part of it, I guess, was money, but it was also availability. That's right. So many, you could go off a tangent on everything. I mean, prosciutto de Palma wasn't even allowed in America for 20 years or 30 years. It had an embargo because of mad cow. So nobody even- But prosciutto was from a pig. Maybe swine then, swine flu or something. <laughs> See, there you go. I'm poking out of my butt again. Um, I'm 100% sure though that it wasn't allowed in America for a long time. There was an embargo on it because of a, an, a food- born illness in the meat. Was it um, trigonosis? Trigonosis, Because yeah. I know that's something that's foodborne with pork. You know what? I'm not positive what it is, but all, all I will definitely tell you, because I saw articles about it, mm-hmm. it wasn't a thing. And then it finally got into America and then it still took a long time for the uptake of it. A lot of the uptake again came from Mario Patali, always talking about it in every mm-hmm. episode. Remember, mm-hmm. remember remember those old episodes that he had where he yeah. was like, hey, guys, we're gonna do a whole episode on the Food Network when the Food Network was good. And I'm not saying Mario Batali is like, should be like, like I'm just talking about his food. He was representative more of that period of time. And when we do do the Food Network episode, we'll talk about why it was not a little bit better, but a billion times better than the crap that it puts out today. I mean, it is just... We don't watch it at no. all. No. At all. There were a few things that I watched on the Food Network more recently, but you're right. It's not what it what it used to be. Yeah, at and all. get rid of get rid of Mario. Like talk about Emerald or, or yeah. whoever was on back then. Or the original Iron Chef. That was amazing. That was that was one of like our favorite shows. Yeah. yeah. That was so good. But that'll be another episode. It's back back to the olive oil. And what were we talking about right before that part? We were talking about uses yeah. for it. And- yeah, so the uses and all that, like, I know that's not, that doesn't surprise me that your grandmother did that. Mm-hmm. It, I think my grandmother did it too. And I'll tell you what, you could go into really good, like, go into a really good churrasco place, go into a Spanish place. Like, I'm almost positive these places we go into when they serve the salad, mm-hmm. it does not have olive oil on it. It, I, I'm almost I'm I, I'm not gonna like be like you're using vegetable oil here, and, and vegetable oil has had such has such a negative connotation now. Yeah. We get it in the comments. We get it all the time. All the time. If I even tell people they can fry a cutlet in vegetable oil, 
there's a certain contingent of people that tell me that it has all these horrible things in it and it's been proven by, you know, Mercola or medical medium and all these people. They're like, you know, it's just like, and they, they like copy and paste like a whole bunch of like health claims and all that. And I'm just like, I'm like wrong channel. Like, this is like, what are you doing? What are you even doing here? Coming in the comments. So that has infected the population. So everybody wants to use olive oil for everything now. Like you can't even use a little bit of vegetable oil, though I still have vegetable oil in the pantry. You do. We also have avocado oil. Well, avocado oil is not this. That's that's considered like a good oil. Mm-hmm. That's also, I think uh, avocado oil has a high smoke point. So it's good for and coconut oil too. But I'm not gonna, oil I'm not has, gonna fry cutlets in vegetable oil. I mean, or in coconut oil yeah. or avocado. Coconut oil, oil has a, has a strong flavor, so it depends on what you're cooking. I think if you're cooking, you know, in maybe Southeast Asian cuisine, coconut yeah. oil is really good. Yeah, and guys, we cook. Use. We cook everything. We we do everything in our house. I, Tara, do you remember when I was on a Thai curry conquest mm -hmm. in what the what was that the year two thousand two? How much, yeah. what did I, what was I doing at that point in time? You were ordering kaffir lime leaves and all sorts of different. Gal and gal, gal all this gal, stuff you yeah. couldn't get in, in regular stores back then. Yeah. I was getting it all from like eBay, I think. You were, you were. And, you know, little did I know every Thai restaurant everywhere, even in Thailand, they're using those cans of paste that are made by that one company. Do you really? know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they all, they're like the yellow can, the green can, the uh, Masaman. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was that wasn't good enough for me because, and we talked about this, I think in the previous episode, was how we get a lot of comments from younger men who are predominantly coming from Reddit telling us how we didn't do things absolutely 100% perfect and that you didn't get a perfect browning on the meat. You didn't get a perfect sear on the shrimp. The dish is ruined. That, those people were me back then. That's right. You were you were a bit like that. As your dad would say, you were a bit of a dilettante. I was. Like, I couldn't smoke meat unless I did it to the competition standards mm -hmm. of, like, the, the, the winner every year in the te Texas barbecue. Like, it had to be I had to make it just as good as them. That's right. I was obsessive. You still are a bit like that. But I don't portray that in the videos. No. And I don't think I don't think you portray that to the extent that you used to. Now I think it's more you're obsessive about other things, like setting up a podcast in a matter of two weeks. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to be crazy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we the, with the way we did it, with the ca three cameras yeah. and all that. I yeah. Mean, so you are you are a little bit obsessive. Don't, don't let that deter you. If you want to do a podcast, all you need is a microphone and audio editing software. You don't need anything else. You don't have to do video. You don't have to do anything like that. That's right. Go follow your dreams. Yeah, absolutely. So you had to get, uh, you just had to pick up Sammy. I did. Yeah. From so, where? School? So she had her living environment, which is what biology used to be called, her living environment regents. So I just had to pick her up from school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, um, first of all, it's impossible to help your kids now with this with this type of work, unless you're a biologist or like her math 
regents. I can't, I, I can't do that stuff anymore. The math is, is beyond my level of math comprehension, but her biology, I, I still remember, I think a, a decent amount from, from when we took it. I think pretty much about sixth grade was when I couldn't really help too much anymore. Yeah, I'd say about that. Or I'm said I couldn't help, but no, it, no, it's, I mean, honestly, you're helping your kids more by not helping them. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, better off it's letting true. them do it. My parents didn't help me. I don't think, I don't think they helped me really past third grade. Stuff's difficult. Yeah, I agree. I don't remember getting much help from them. That sequential regents stuff is just, I mean, I, I have like nightmares when Sammy shows me that, that yeah. homework now. I'm like, oh, I don't I know how she does you. it. I mean, I think it's, it's harder now because I don't think what she's learning in her grade, ninth grade, is not what I was learning in ninth grade. So very, yeah, I don't very know. different. I, I I mean, I took some math in college. I uh, took symbolic logic. Oh, that's what I took. I did well on that. That was easy. That That's like I took that because I don't do well in, you know, in other types of math and symbolic. You did, did you take statistics too? I had to take st- yeah. statistics <laughs> as part of my major. I think every, I went to Stony Brook. So I think every one of their requirements was no matter what major you were taking, you had to take statistics in that class. So I majored in political science. I had to take statistics of political science. I did take statistics. Uh, I forget which, which one it was, but I, when I entered college, I was all set to, to be a computer science major. So I took calculus and I Failed, and that <laughs> my dream of being a computer, having a computer science degree, and using that mm-hmm. was gone. Well, but nobody well, needs to worry about that anymore, anyway. Yeah. Now because of uh, ChatGPT taking over the planet. Yeah. And lucky for you, you were very much using that anthropology degree. That you yes, got. that was what I. Yes. So I went from a computer science uh, major to anthropology. And then I didn't had no idea what I was going to do. So I said I was going to go to law school. I think we spoke about this. We and, did. Yeah, we did. we did. All right. So anyway. <laughs> Let's get back to olive oil, Jim. Sorry for the transitioning away. Schoolwork is hard. It don't is. don't help your kids. All right, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> get a tutor if you can. Um, so we talked about the olive oil taste test being really difficult. We had a few su- surprises there. Not bef- don't really want to give anything away because we do want you to watch the olive oil taste test video, but did the results of the olive oil taste test impact your love of Frantoia di Barbera (laughs) olive oil as your go-to? It absolutely didn't. It didn't change my go-to because you're not having all those olive oils we tried, all those extra virgin olive oils we tried, we were having them by themselves. That's extremely difficult proposition to mm-hmm. get good a good accurate taste test with this. And I know I went into this in the um I believe it was another episode where we were talking about sauce so, uh the sauce like or on a wine tasting I said how the sommeliers failed in actual peer reviewed studies. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to change my use of Frantoia as my uh, finishing oil of choice. I absolutely love it when it hits the food, the hot food, when I when I serve it. So say like we're doing uh, pasta and peas. So just regular pasta, pizzelli, mm-hmm. and the, the white one, okay? Just the Bianco, like no sauce. But, you know, everybody loved the, sauce, the tomato sauce one too. And really this could apply to either one. You could do it. 
after when you're done, when it comes out of the pot and then you just take that beautiful drizzle of the extra virgin olive oil, when it hits the peas and the pasta, it's magic. Now, and then a little bit of the grated pecorino on there. Maybe a little bit of hot red pepper flakes. That's also good for the, the um, lentil soup. That was your preferred way to eat oh, and the it's, lentil soup. And it's good for a, a, a gazillion recipes. Yeah. It's, it's great. But now that olive oil, that extra virgin, when that hits the pasta and peas, it's magic is created there. The magic isn't created. If I was to eat the pasta and peas and then wait five minutes and then take a swig of the Frantoya, <laughs> It wouldn't be the same. It's the combination of them when they when they touch each other. So basically, that little bit of heat from the pasta and peas when the, and, and, you know you get the drizzle on there. It's, I mean, this is why I do it. And I didn't create finishing oil like this. Right. Chefs do this all the time. That's how I learned how to do it, guys. Because we'll get so many questions. Why are you doing that to the dish? What are you doing? I'm doing it because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I learned it from people that knew more than I did. Yeah, yeah. I love finishing dishes with, with a nice olive oil, like the Frantoy and, and some of the others and the Partana I like too. It, like you said, it does create sort of a magical type of yeah. experience and flavor. Um, yeah, so that's why I think you, you I'm going to keep using it. I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jim, there are some unconventional uses for olive oil, and we actually filmed a video. Yeah. It's another video that's not two. out yet. That's right. Because the original right. plan was to do the taste test, put that video out, and then it was to put out the two unconventional ways. But now this video is going to come out before the other two. So it's really going to be a three-part mm -hmm extra virgin olive oil series that's right so we hope <laughs> we hope you like olive oil we hope you watch it because we just spent a lot of time Ooh. talking talking about olive oil we and did. buying olive oil how much money did we spend on for the taste test how much did all that olive oil cost well, it, it was a certainly lot. close to 200 dollars, maybe what i did when i was shopping for the olive oil was i tried to get everything from one store i went to uncle giuseppe's i got it all there because i was trying to Make sure the pricing was, it's, it's a bit, was fair. Okay, so I, I thought, and I said this in the video, some of those prices were completely out of whack. Guys, just so you know, I'm not promoting Uncle Giuseppe's. Honestly, I don't even want you to shop there. That's that's how I feel about the place. They rip off you on a lot of things. Some things are good, but in the end, we do it for convenience. But I do not recommend buying your extra virgin olive oil there unless they have a loss leader. They'll often have a display and... Many times this will be Filippo Barrio, where it'll be $10 for a three liter can of it. Sometimes the extra virgin will only be like 15, but we go there to buy a lot of ingredients in one shot so we can make our videos. Well, that's the thing. A lot of the ingredients that we need to get, we simply can't get from a regular grocery store. And think that's of why we shop there. Think of Uncle Giuseppe's as Italy, the same exact store, guys. Italy is in. Manhattan, there's one, and I think there's one in Vegas, right? And there might be another one or two. Um, that's an operation that actually Mario Batali used to be a part of, and then they booted his butt out of that too. That's he, They divested him of that. He mm -hmm. used to be involved with Lydia, uh, that restaurant group. He's yes. gone completely. I mean, yes. he's, a, and I'm just saying that again, just because we were talking about him early on in the video. That's right. 
but it's the same exact, Uncle Giuseppe's is the same exact store, like footprint, everything that Italy is. It's just that Uncle Giuseppe's is in Long Island. I believe there's maybe one location in New Jersey and one in Connecticut. It's a small company. Mm-hmm. It's like, they got like 12 supermarkets. Yeah. But I'm not promoting them at all. I wish I could tell you guys other places to go to because their basil and a lot of the stuff that Tara buys is absolutely pathetic. Their produce, oftentimes there is issues. I don't know if it's supply chain related, but I don't. That basil think says pa- so. packaged in Brazil. Yeah. That's what that basil it's, says. It's, it's a joke of, that an Italian specialty store is selling basil I, like that. I agree, and it's frustrating for me as the main shopper for Sip and Feast that. I often have to go to three or yeah. four grocery stores to find, you know, that's the thing. I mean, we're not all, we're also not, not promoting Whole Foods, but. We're not promoting but, any of these but companies, a lot of guys. Times, we, we tell you the names right. of them to help you find right. stuff. A lot of times we're asked, why do you shop? Why do you get stuff from Whole Foods? It's so overpriced. Well, to be honest, a lot of their produce isn't overpriced. It's their other items that that might be and their produce is far superior to some of the other grocery stores. So it's one thing if you're if you're cooking it for your family. It's quite a different beast when you are picking out produce that you're planning to photograph and show on video. It has to be perfect. There can't be any spots on it. It has to look a certain way. That's always a problem. So we always have to buy the food the day of the filming or the day before right. at the earliest. We can't have food, which in, you know a normal family would you buy your food, go food shopping once a week, and then you know you wouldn't care if it wasn't perfect. Because there's only so much magic you can work with editing. Yeah, and I mean I, now now that you have Mid Journey and you know separate tangent, I, was, I mentioned ChatGPT before, but Mid Journey is the art creation one and you can create any photo and you're gonna see a lot of people who aren't cooks or know anything about cooking. You're gonna see them entering the food blog, the recipe site uh, niche because they can create any image they want now, a better picture than 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 I can do with my cameras. Mm-hmm. And I've been photoing stuff for, for years. Yeah, it's a little so, scary. Yeah, it's, 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 it's extremely scary. I mean, it's scary for our job as a, our industry in general, but it's affecting every industry. That's right, it's affecting all humans. I actually just bought a membership to Mid Journey today so I can try to learn how to do it. Because we just shot four uh, drinks last night, right? That's right. So we we shot four spritzes for summer, basically. Um, well, we also did a Negroni. We, we reshot the Negroni photo, right? Our Negroni recipe on the website, which is essentially the same as any other Negroni recipe. It's the pictures were not the best because it was one of our first recipes that was put up on Sip and Feast. So we wanted to reshoot those those pictures to make them a little bit better. Bring them up, bring them up to the site standard. Exactly. And we also did a paper plane cocktail, which again, not our recipe, um, which we will give credit to the creator of that Recipe. Yeah, I don't just don't know it offhand. That, that's right. We also did an Americano and we did a Lily Spritz, which we did kind of put our own twist on that one. Three of those are Italian and one of them is like a French, right? Well, the Lily Blanc, Lily is, Blanc Fr- is a French uh, it, wine. It It is. It's, um, we are putting an Italian twist on it because we're adding Prosecco yeah. to the Spritz. 
So anyway, uh, digressing there or going on a tangent, which I know you guys like the tangents, but it's it is it is a very it's a big fear with content creators in general. What's going to happen with the chat GPT and the mid journey? Mm -hmm. Also, just even even me, you say, well, Jim, you're on video making videos. They can't duplicate you. They're 100 percent going to be able to duplicate me. There is tech already that I can be looking down right now and it can. It all needs one image in my face, and then it can mm-hmm. it can make me look at the camera, yeah. even though I'm reading text down. I mean, it's it's truly it's scary it what, is, what it what what's going to happen. It is scary. So they can just as easily just make a new video of me cooking when I'm not even doing it. That's right. And then you go, Jim. Well, why don't that's great? Then you don't have to do it anymore. Well, guess what? Everybody's going to do and that's, be in the same yeah. boat. So the signal to noise ratio is going to be massive. Mm-hmm. It's going to be insane. They said that any for everything that's been on the internet up until this point is going to be, it's going to be doubled every sh- few months now with the use of these AI things. So the, yeah, the signal to noise is the best descriptor of it. You're going to just have so much crap and garbage on the internet. You're not even going to know what's real, what's good, what's worth looking at. Keep looking at Sip and Feast though. <laughs> We're humans. Not to keep talking about Frantoia de Barbera, but I do have who doesn't sponsor us in who any way. Does not sponsor us. But I do have I do have a question and it's something that a lot of our viewers have commented on. And it's the fact that Frantoia and others are bottled in a clear bottle. Yeah. And my understanding based on just you know very high level <laughs> research I've done on it. I'm again not an expert olive oil eater or taster or maker or anything is that a clear bottle can you know cause the olive oil to heat up yeah. under the heat of the sun or any other sort of heat sources and can change the makeup of the olive oil and can give it a rancid flavor so my question for you in all your years of using frantoia which is in a clear bottle have you ever experienced a rancid flavor or have had a negative experience? And do you think that there is truth to the clear versus dark bottle? Honestly, I don't, I'm just telling you my experience and I've probably have gone through, I don't know, an insane amount of <laughs> olive oil. I've never had a rancid olive oil, regular extra virgin, anything in my life, mm-hmm. never. And you don't go out of, I don't think we go out of our way to store it. No, I don't put in it in a dark I don't put cabinet. It, in the, well, it sits out on our counter. But I don't put it in the window either. Like I, right. it is, it, it's not getting direct sunlight. Right. We, we don't have a lot of light in our kitchen at all because we're filming and we we have to use video lights. That's true. Because natural light changes and you can't film with mm-hmm. with it unless you have more people on set, like which we don't have. It's just it's just just the two of us. So no, I've never had an issue with oil, ever. And look, I think Frantoia, who makes some of the best olive oil on the planet, I, I would think if there was a problem with it, I don't think they'd be selling their premium product in a glass bottle, doesn't it? I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to use a little bit of like deductive reasoning here. Like if, if it's that bad, why would they be selling it in a glass bottle? Yeah, They I do sell, agree. now Now that's their leader. The one mm-hmm. leader they sell comes in a glass bottle. They, also, they actually have a smaller bottle than that. Mm-hmm. Guys, don't buy anything smaller than a liter either. It's it gets very cost prohibitive. You're spending so much more per per ounce of olive oil. 
Then they also sell a three liter. Now we, you know, I have that linked in the shop. Uh, we that's the that's the deal, mm-hmm. and that will go anywhere from about on Amazon. It'll go anywhere from about forty five dollars to about sixty dollars for the three liter can. That's the deal. That is, and then you would just pour that into. Something I keep the liter. To I just keep the liter bottle. But but if I really want to be yeah. careful, I can just have a completely solid, like a bottle. solid. Yeah. Pour. I'll, okay. Yeah. 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 I, but I never had a problem with it, and I and I like to keep the bottle because for uh, for branding. Why am I doing branding for Frantoya? That's another question. Mm-hmm. Like, so guys, all the thing when you see, if you look at my, if you look at our website, especially early on, you will see Cento, you will see Frantoya, you'll see Dicheco, Scofani, blah blah blah, another nine hundred names. I would always do this to try to show you guys when I was starting what are good brands to use. But I never, I never got to the point where I was like, "Oh, I'm giving them free advertising. Let me, let me put black, you know, gaffers tape on top of it or duct tape, whatever, to block their name." A lot of creators do do this, guys. There's a guy I watch. He's a woodworker. His name is Jimmy DeResta from from Long Island, uh, near where I grew up. I think he like grew up in like East Meadow. I'm probably wrong, but um, it's definitely in Long Island. He has black tape on all of his Makita tools because he was trying to get a deal with Makita and Makita said no. So he got mad mm-hmm. and he taped every, he kept using Makita tools, but he put black tape on every label of their thing. Now, I mean, I think it would be kind of ridiculous if I did that to all the tomatoes, but I am telling you, I am I am showing brands less now. I just am because, mm-hmm. and especially this one company we dealt with, they re- I, I got a really bad taste in my mouth after, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. after dealing with them. Like I'm just I'm no more no no more like being nice to these companies or whatnot because listen guys they're trying to do well they're trying to make a profit so are we and like it's just I'm trying to do what's best for you that's it I'm mm-hmm. not telling you though go get Frantoya because they're paying me money they're not yeah you know I yeah. I kind of I just think their olive oil is good yeah if if we ever do work with a sponsor we're required to disclose it. But yeah, Frantoya is definitely not a sponsor. We We're wish, required to disclose. We wish they'd be. Yeah, okay, yeah <laughs> it, it, this, is a, this is a different discussion. We wish we actually had mm-hmm. brands in our niche for sponsors. Right. But the problem is the way the YouTube system works, it's you have all these companies, they're all the same company, guys, they're, even though they're not, but they're all run by a prototypical graduate from Harvard or Princeton, Stanford, whatever, and they have an idea of, Let's use a bunch of YouTubers, let's pay them money, and they'll do a 60-second spot for us, mm-hmm. and we'll be able to get our name out and push our product. Unfortunately, no Italian food companies do that. Right. It's like, it's Not, other companies. Yeah. Yeah. And if you watch some other YouTubers, more so than us, you will notice they have one of those companies in every single one of their videos. Right. Which, you know, I, I think gets a little tiresome after a while, so we've... Uh, We've kind of backed away from 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 doing them, mm-hmm. but yeah. maybe it's not the best business decision. But we're 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 trying to be we're trying to be more selective. I think yeah. with who who we do a sponsored read for. So Jim, let's before we get into some of the viewers submitted questions, let's just quickly talk about some of those unconventional uses for olive oil. Things that you might not think of, because obviously the things you think of are you know dipping bread. You think of finishing salad dressings, cooking with. But we have two unique uses for olive oil that I happen to love 
One of them is the orange olive oil cake. That's right. It's that, on the website. we have on the website. Delicious. Which has a strong olive oil flavor. It's, it's an oil cake. It is. It's moist and delicious. And it's always moist. Yeah. It's, I, a, it's just a fancy version of the old vegetable oil cake where you buy a bo- you know, you buy a box cake mix and they yeah. say dump a dump vegetable oil in it. But it's olive oil, so like you feel like you're getting some health benefits there. I guess. I mean, it is a lot of <laughs> olive oil. <laughs> it is. So it is a rather expensive cake if you're using a, a better olive oil for that. So the other recipe, which do you want to talk more about the olive oil cake? Yeah, we can talk a little bit more about the olive oil cake. By the way, Tara, I just want to say I really like this. This is a lot more it's more intimate. I, I think it's better. I, I think when we were across the other sides of the table, it's we're we're family. If we ever have somebody on here, they should be on the other side yeah. of the table. Yeah, no, that I would like be weird this. if we had a guest and they were like right here. Yeah. This if we have a guest, we're gonna put them right between us like this. Th- that's really <laughs> weird. This feels a little more natural for me. But do you what do you what are your thoughts on the olive oil cake? I mean, I, I think it's a great cake to serve for company. Get the plastic off the couches. Company is coming over. It's a good company cake. Um, and it's really easy to make. And yeah. it's when we made it for the video, we put a glaze on it, a blood orange glaze, which made it beautiful. S- speaking, of color. Com- speaking of company, mm-hmm. Tara, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, and I was talking about like New York brands and stuff. I forgot about Entimins. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. I don't know That's how I forgot like, about that. Entimins is the ultimate company. And the cake. only reason it came to mind is because we just said, said the word company. Yeah. When you think of company, that's all you think You're of. You're right. It is honey, an Entimins honey, get the crumb. Cake. The crumb cake or the butter loaf. Oh, there's, was it? I liked all of them. Yeah. I still like Entimins. I'm sorry. I don't care my what friend, anybody has to say. My friend's father, he was an electrician. He worked at Ent- the Entenmann's factory in, I think it was like what, Brentwood or ben- Bayshore. Yeah. He worked there for like 15 years. He was just doing electric. I don't know. It was like, what? how is there con- that much electric work going on forever? A lot of baking going on. You know, then Entenmann's sold. And they're actually, when you the Entenmann's you see now is owned by another company. So I think oh. they've changed the recipe on a lot of their stuff. Okay. Yeah, I, for the yeah. most part, it's still pretty good. It's not like where a Twinkie went really downhill. Like yeah. a Twinkie used to be unbelievable. You used yeah. to have to crystallize sugar in it. Yeah, they're not now Twinkies anymore. don't have it. Yeah, that's this true. Is what, this is what the podcast should be. It's just be talking about memories with food yeah. and everything. Yeah. I, I'm starting to realize it's that It's like now. a Seinfeld show about nothing. Yeah, this yeah. is this is it. And on, honestly, I didn't even think I'm going to include this part now so viewers <laughs> can can say that. Tell us, Tell us if you like this. Or tell us if it's terrible. Yeah, tell us if, if you like this piece. I have, I have a, I don't remember any schoolwork to help my daughter with math, obviously, but I have a encyclopedic memory of Twinkies and Ding Dongs and do, Devil Dogs <laughs> and uh, and all, like all the different foods that were back then, which were yeah. which were way better. You do have a good memory. In fact, I when I was out picking Sammy up at school and I was waiting for her to get out. I did fact check you on your claim about prosciutto de Parma not being allowed in the US and you're absolutely correct. And you said it was because of a swine flu. And I was like, oh no, it was probably trigonosis. But no, you were right. There was- Well, I said mad cow first. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that doesn't register. I think you've been watching too much Boston Legal. Boston Legal. There was an African swine flu, and it was the fear of that swine flu that prevented the import 
of prosciutto di Parma for 20 years, yeah. I believe. So yeah, so you do have an ability to remember lots of useless information. In fact, I'm thinking maybe you should just go on Jeopardy. Oh, but, no. I would, it would only have to be a useless information category. Yeah. That would be the only one I could answer. Yeah. So moving on to the the other recipe that we use olive oil for that's unconventional. Oh, yeah. Is the Olivetto. Olivetto. The so the Olivetto is a cocktail that was created at Marvel Bar in Minneapolis, which is actually no longer open. And we lived 10 minutes away from Minneapolis yes. for three years. And we lived in a place called Minnetonka. Yes. Minnetonka. Minnetonka. And they have the, the moccasins. They they do. They do. Although yeah. I don't know if that company is based there. They're not, but, but, but they're yeah. still using the they, name. Yeah. Well, yeah. Minnetonka just means big water. Oh. Because um, the, the lake there is so big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. yeah. Mini means water. Tonka means big okay so and then minnesota mini means water soda means cloudy cloudy water lake minnetonka in minnesota is a very if you live on the lake wherever you are and it's about the circumference is probably it's massive it it's probably huge. about 80 miles around it would take to drive to do the whole drive you um anywhere you live on that lake it's very expensive real estate oh yeah yeah beautiful when i was in minnesota and i think i spoke about this in episode one is when i was doing uh car carpent carpentry contractor mm -hmm. work and i the guy i was working for uh, many of the jobs were on the we were working at houses on the lake mm -hmm. so we went to this one place called deep haven when you say deep haven it just sounds rich doesn't it yeah like i live in deep haven of course yeah. i'm like like <laughs> you're not poor you live in deep haven and so like Deep Haven, this house was on Lake Minnetonka. It was a beautiful house. We did a job there. Then we went to probably the other side of the lake, which was really far, uh, Minnetrista. Does that sound familiar? Yes. And that was another job we did on the lake. Mm -hmm. And these houses, every house we worked on that was on the lake, they were, they were amazing. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. I digress. Yeah. So anyway, so we were talking about the drink that was created at Marvel Bar. And... A friend of mine there told me about the drink multiple times, always wanted to get there to, to try it. We never actually did get there. But at some point I was like, oh, I'm going to try and recreate this this drink, this recipe for this Olivetto drink because I was fascinated by it. I mean, the sound of an olive oil drink is, I don't know, it sounds pretty good to me because yeah. I love olive oil. So we, we- It would be horrible if you did it with vegetable oil. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend Ugh. that because you want to taste yeah. the olive oil in the drink. So we did make the Olivetto, tried to recreate the recipe that Marvel Bar had. It's up on the website um, if you want to check it out. But we do have that coming up in the video where yeah. we make the olive oil cake and we make- the Olivetto cocktail. Yeah, it was a fun. That was a fun video to yeah. make. Well, what, what what did you think of the drink? Ooh, Were you got surprised? thunder now. I don't yeah. know if you guys can hear that. Ooh. Ooh, that's nothing better than make doing a podcast when there's thunder outside, yeah, especially it, with our dark and it feels somber so. No, it just feel, it, it feels so like I don't know. It's like what you picture, like you picture like Stephen King, like yeah, you know, um, yeah. doing his podcast. Whenever I think of New England like that, I always just think of like dark, rainy, or like shutters being blasted with like 
the the speak nor'easter from mm-hmm. the sea. Yeah. The sea was angry that day. You know, like that. That's what I think of when I think of New England, mm-hmm. which is not the right way to think of New England because most people who live in New England can't. They don't have. You know, it's the, the wealthy people live on the sea. Like you move. You know, you go to Maine. You go a hundred miles inland. It's a lot cheaper to buy a house than it is to buy a house in. Kenny Bunkport. That's right. Or Ogonquit mm-hmm. or any of those other very, very well-to-do areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think we can kind of wrap up our olive oil discussion Yeah, and move. Oh, and before you wrap it up, one yeah. more thing. The artwork you guys see for this podcast, that of, of Tara and myself, is was from the olive oil taste test. If you're wondering what those 10 bowls of yellow liquid are in front of us, that was the extra virgin olive oil taste test. So I just pulled a still image from there. It's Mm -hmm. not even a photograph. I just took an image from the video. And I was just, it was just a cute photo because I was like looking all confident and Tara was looking sarcastically at me. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Yeah. Which is typical. Yeah. I'm usually in that in that state. I think it sums up mm-hmm. like our relationship in general. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, you're going to, we're going to do uh viewer submitted questions, right? Yes. Yes. So thank you for sticking with us for the past 45 minutes or so. While we talked about olive oil and thank you for submitting your questions to us. Please continue to do so. Send them to podcast at sip and And we will answer them at some point or another. So, Jim, one of the questions that we had was, what is your favorite fish sauce for pasta? Now, I'm not I'm not sure if it's just specific to fish or if it could be seafood sauce, but do you have a favorite sauce that contains fish or seafood that you would pair with pasta? And oh, if so, what is it? Okay, so that's not a normal, that's very odd, because normally when people think of a, a pasta with seafood, mm-hmm. they're probably going to most people are going to think of like something like a creamy sauce with like salmon. Yeah. That's predominantly what people will think of. And you can do that with Alfredo. You can add some salmon in there. You can do like a creamy dill sauce, add some salmon. But that's not what is my favorite. You know what I'm going to say, right? I think I know what you're going to say. And I think I'm going to say the same thing. Is it a, it's a video I made, right? It is. Okay. Is it the eggplant one? No. Is that your favorite? Do you remember the swordfish eggplant one I made? Yes. With, the, with, with pakiri or say, yes. say, say it how, how you're supposed to say it? Pakari. Pakari, yeah. So that was- That's probably not right either. No, you're, you're pretty good at saying it. That was so good. And the, guys, if you haven't seen that video, which I know you haven't seen it because it was a long time ago, and that we have so much videos and content like that that you probably haven't seen. Like I did a whole series for the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of seafood recipe videos we've done, but you know they never did well. So I kind of just stopped making videos. That's right. But that one was eggplant, pieces of swordfish. So this is this is a Sicilian pasta, and with the with that beautiful big like looks almost like rigatoni. It is pacari and mint, a little bit of tomato. You could do basil too if you want. So delicious. But that is not what you were going to say, Tara. What is yours? So I actually forgot about that recipe that you made with the swordfish. And I was really struggling to think of a fish pasta. So I was just going to answer my favorite 
with a sea, an overall seafood dish, and that's the squid ink. Oh yeah, squid ink pasta with like spicy calamari and shrimp. Which you did do a video for that. I did. It also did not no, do it well. Bombed. All my yeah. video. Those are those are before we ever got a video that actually got views. Yeah. So I, I also think the the black squid ink pasta turned people off. But um, you. That was like Indiana Jones. Yeah, they turned them off like that. That recipe wasn't, you know, your idea. That was something that you had taken from one of our favorite restaurants yeah right so the restaurant is the trotteria it's in saint james and the chef there chef gallagher he makes an incredible squid ink pasta with like spicy calamari and and shrimp and does he put breadcrumbs on it yeah so uh a little bit of breadcrumbs yeah yeah. but that's one of the best i know it's not answering the question because it's not a fish pasta but that that is probably my favorite seafood pasta. It's amazing. It's and that, it's am, amazing is an understatement. So listen, guys. Again, we talked about promotion before and whatnot. I got no. I I I, I, I like to mention this place. Mm-hmm. And he, this guy, doesn't need promotion. He's been kicking butt like in a restaurant space for twenty years now. They have a small place. It's been there forever. It's almost like a it's almost like an historic landmark now in mm-hmm. St. James. Like everybody in this part of Long Island knows the place. Uh he's not Italian. His last name is Gallagher. Uh he's from Boston, I believe, right? I think so. I know he wears a, a Boston yeah, Red Sox. He's got hat. the Red Sox hat on. Yeah. And we've and we've never spoke like he's come out and like we've just he, he's like, How is it? Like he, well, we just tell him it's great. Like, he comes out to everybody. Yeah. He's an incredible, like if, if we ever had a restaurant, yeah, I would want to replicate the way he runs his restaurant. His restaurant is amazing. It's really farm to table. They have a lot of, everything they get is ultra fresh. Mm-hmm. They're always changing the menu. It's an amazing experience. And it's, it's, a, it's evolved a little bit over the years. It used to be where you could bring your own everything. Now they do have a full liquor license and stuff. But this place has stood the test of time. I've only had one bad meal there and I, he wasn't there that day. I, I that's I'm just being honest. Like that was that was 100 percent the issue. But we've probably been there 50 times, and it's it is so hard now to be impressed with the, the with the stuff that these restaurants are putting out. I'm sorry, like uh, the experience in general has gotten worse and worse. Mm-hmm. This restaurant, though, it, it's, he's still doing an amazing job. Yeah, and yeah, I like if you do live around here and you haven't been to this place. Let me, let me t- guys, I'm just going to tell you. There's a place called Austria Umbra that is right in the area too. Austria Umbra is is an extremely expensive place. Tara and I have been there. It's a great place. It is. The food is phenomenal. The the, the meal will cost you two and a half times the price of Trattoria. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just telling you simply from experience wise, what I feel more comfortable in, what I like more, I like Trattoria more. I do too. Trotter, the Trotteria is small. It feels like home. It's not pretentious. Not that Austria Umbra is pretentious, but Austria Umbra, they have, you know, the wood, is it wood fire? Not, Austria it's not Umbra. Cold, right? Austria Umbra is. It, Austria Umbra is a it's, fancy place. I mean, they had Ralph Macchio there, Kevin James, like anybody who's like, who grew up here? Yeah, they're they're in that restaurant taking a picture yeah. with the guy. Yeah, he's like a famous chef too yeah. uh, from Italy. He he, not, he hasn't lived here very long. Yeah, 
I don't know his yeah. name offhand. I believe it's Chef Pellegrini. Pellegrini, yeah. and it's it's a creation of a restaurant tour owner, like who who has really good restaurants. Like this place has a lot of money behind mm -hmm. it, and it's a very very. I, I'm not talking down about this place. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, they have the Parmigiano Reggiano like wheels. Yeah, that they, they cook it cook in the wheel the for in, you, which. If you're if you're getting that type of meal, you're going to spend a lot of money. So it certainly is a special occasion type of place. But my preferred restaurant for a special occasion, like every year on my birthday, where do we go? We go to the Trattoria because yeah. it's consistent. It's always incredible. The menu's always changing. We never know what we're going to yeah. get. And honestly, we take our kids there too, and they. It's also their favorite place to go, aside from the sushi place that we also love. Yeah, no, I mean, this place, they, they, look, I don't like to go to Italian restaurants because I feel that like, I'm, I'm sorry. And uh, you, know, you guys might say, Jim, you're being conceited. I feel that most places don't do a, as good of a job as I can do. I, I just don't. And we've been to all of them, guys. We've been to everyone. Mm -hmm. I've been to everyone in the city too. So is Tara. It, it's, it's, and this is the thing about Trattoria, which allows them to excel. It's a tiny place. So he can change the menu all the time versus Astria Umbra. It's much harder. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, rattle off any other place you want. Now, listen, guys, it doesn't mean I don't like certain restaurants. I love going to a family style place like La Parma. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing meal. Yeah. But that menu hasn't changed in 40 years, it's the same stuff. Like you get your chicken scarparello, your chicken Chinese, which I've never had the chicken Chinese. I haven't either. And people keep asking us, can you make the chicken Chinese from La Parma? I don't I even don't know even what know, it is. I was gonna say, I don't even know what, the, we'd, have, we'd have to go there and order it and, and yeah. see see what it is. But I always did see it on the menu and always wondered what it was. It's very hard to have a restaurant and keep it for longer than about five years. You will even see famous chefs on TV who close down their restaurants. Now, a lot of them are being controlled by a restaurant group. It's extremely difficult, uh, tough to run. Mm -hmm. Brings back uh, almost thinking about the email that I got the other day from the guy yeah. who told me, Jim, YouTube's gonna run out. You should open a restaurant. Yeah. And I was like, you know, we have friends who are in the business. They almost went out of business these last yeah. few years. Yeah. So it's I have no interest in en entering the restaurant space, yeah. nor not do I even pretend to think that I could work in a place yeah. like that professionally. Not at this point. I'm old. Yeah. So, okay. So we answered the question about our favorite fish sauce or slash seafood sauce. Um, we did get another question. Somebody had stated that their Nona wasn't a baker, but she likes to bake. And there's tons of Italian desserts that she'd love to be able to make. Will we ever start a series on Italian desserts, such as tiramisu, sfogliatelli, cannoli, zabioni, Easter rice pie, also known as pastiera? Okay. And the list goes on. So answer that question, please. So so do you have her name? I don't. Okay. I think we should start including the people's names too, just so, because they probably want to hear their name, like that their question. Uh, I will just say simply, we have most of those that are on our website. Mm -hmm. The only video we made was uh, for tiramisu mm -hmm. and the video didn't do well. So that kind of like made me not want to do it, though I think our video was better than any video that's on YouTube. No, that that is, that is the answer I would say too. The tiramisu video didn't perform well. And as much as we'd like to, to do more videos, 
And, and tiramisu is, an e is easy. It's mm -hmm. it's not it's not hard. It's, no, it's not. It's it's a, and I encourage you guys use the use the recipe that's on our site. There's about twenty process shots. Really, will show you exactly how to do it. It's a multi step process, it, but it but it's easy. Yeah. What's more difficult is cannoli. So yeah. those were those like shoot just shooting those was a whole day it took us. So if I'm gonna do a video for that, I mean I don't know. And our cannoli is probably it's probably one of the better recipes instructions you're gonna find online as well. And we use the right ingredients for it. Mm -hmm. Marsala goes in the dough. You want the dark dough. You want it fried nice. You want a really crispy shell. Mm -hmm. The Filling of a cannoli, it must have what, Tara? Impastata. Impastata. What is impastata? It's super dry ricotta cheese. Ultra or, dry. I know I'm going to get flack for how I pronounce ricotta. It's yeah. Ricotta. It's, yeah. Rigot. <laughs> Rigot. It's ultra dry. And you can't even, even if you take any other one and you try to do this, you will not be able to strip the same amount of water yeah, out of it. You can... If you do add, want to do it, use Galbani. Well, yeah, and you can add mascarpone not to the it. Sa not the same. So impastata comes from a place in Connecticut, and they pretty much sell it to most of the bakeries in New York, in Long Island. It comes in these big five-gallon, mm -hmm. massive- Uncle Giuseppe's has it. Massive pails Again, of that's it. one of the ingredients that we need to go to Uncle Giuseppe's for because other places don't have it. Yeah, but I think like between that, a uh, little bit of cinnamon, cinnamon oil, Yeah, you get the right shell- yeah. You're onto something here. You're getting you're getting close to the best Sicilian bakery for yeah. for that. So as much, you know, I think we would like to do more videos for desserts, but it has to make sense for us to do them. And one thing I would really like to do for a podcast episode, maybe as we get closer to the holidays, is to have a full podcast episode devoted to talking about all the different cookies that Italian Americans make. Yeah, I would- there's a lot for, specifically I, for Christmas. It's an insane amount. We did so many desserts for 2022, going into mm -hmm. the Christmas season. We probably did 20 desserts quickly for mm -hmm. the site. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do probably another 20 this year. Yeah. But videos, we don't know. Uh, yeah, we have we have pa Passiera Nap Napolitana on there, which is an, another amazing one, right, Tara? That's an easy one too, though it, does take about two days to make it. Mm -hmm. The one we don't have is, and I'm gonna, I always butcher when I say Swedel, so t Tara, do it. Svoljadeli. Yeah, I'm never gonna say that right, ever. I'm probably not saying it perfectly either, but that is a difficult recipe as I understand it. I've never made it myself and I know you haven't. No. So that's something that in order for us to put that up on our website, we're gonna have to do extensive research, practice runs, etc. What's the next question? Okay, so we have one more question for today. And that is, so in one of the previous episodes, we talked about how we met. So I think that prompted this viewer or listener to ask the question, was food involved in your marriage proposal to me? Do you remember what... You don't remember. No, I don't remember food being so, involved. It 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 wasn't. Okay. However, so I'm I'm going to answer the question. <laughs> food was not involved in the proposal. However, after you had popped the question, we went out to eat. We went out to eat. <laughs> what did we eat? 
Oh, we went out to eat. We got sushi. That's right. I'm not telling you guys not to have kids. Having kids is one of the best things you could ever do. I will tell you simply, when you don't have kids, you have all the time in the world. And when you have all the time in the world, like Tara and I had when before we had kids, we used to go to a lot more restaurants and just remember that? And we'd come home and have like nothing to do. Yeah. Like we'd be like, oh, let's watch 24 for four hours. Yeah. You guys what, remember that show with Kiefer Sutherland? It was also <laughs> it was also a lot cheaper. And yeah, of course, you, we can still go out without our kids. But our kids love food and they love to go out to eat with us. So when we go out, we do take them. But yeah, no, the proposal did not involve food. We did go out and celebrate with food immediately following the proposal. And we celebrated with the with the two owners of what was our favorite sushi place. Yes. Um, that this, was the best place. It, it was the it best was. place. We had this guy. There was this guy who used to sit there. And he was like a businessman, like high up. He was going back and forth to Japan like every couple of weeks. He goes, this is the best place in America. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. he's like, I go to the best places in Japan. And it was this little hole in the wall. Yeah. Kazu. You'd go, you'd go was, there. Kazu was the name of the place. You yeah. go there and it's been replaced with some horrible place now. You go to, you would go there and you would be in like the culinary adventure of your lifetime. If you, you had to wait though, mm -hmm. it would be a long time. Yeah, it was just him it, and his wife. It was Kazu was the chef. And it was his wife. I do not know how they did all that. I did not. I, how did they do that they, all the by themselves? They did it themselves. It was always an incredible experience going there. Remember the butterfish? How good yes. those were? He would make butterfish. He would just make whatever he felt like making for us. And since he knew that we liked pretty much everything, he would just, you know, oh, send stuff our way. But I got to tell a story about that place. Yeah. Okay. So. Now I'm dating myself, so you guys are going to say, well, Jim, where was this? You're not going to, unless you were like from the area, It this place hasn't been there for 15 years, right, Tara? The last time we went there was shortly after Sammy was born, I think. So it's been a long time. Yeah. About about that, about, about yeah. 14, 15 years. Yeah. So there was this like dive bar next to it. And I used to go there with my brother. Beckett's. Beckett's Pub. And we... We had some beers and we're playing golden tea. And then I said, let's go to Kazu. It's like right next door. So we go there and we ate a lot, mm -hmm. really good stuff. I had the most satisfied look on my face, as did my brother. I looked at him straight in the eyes cool. and I proposed to him. No. <laughs> and I looked at him straight in the eyes. Who, your brother or Kazu? My brother. Oh. And I said, and he, I said, do you know what I'm thinking? He said, I know exactly what you're thinking. I said, what am I thinking? He said, let's do it again. <laughs> we told Kazu, we'll take the same order <laughs> again. He thought we were nuts. It was just as good the second Don't time. Don't drink and <laughs> eat sushi. <laughs> Go to McDonald's. It's much cheaper. No, but that place was, was truly a special place. Anytime we went there, it was special, but it was also special, you know, the night that we got engaged. Um, Kazu's wife, Tatsuko, she brought out plum wine at the end. She would do this every time because we pretty much closed down the place every time we went. But she brought out plum wine and, you know, we we toasted with them and... Yeah, it was a different time. That place was yeah. his whole their whole business was based on about a hundred 
loyal customers yeah. that he knew was going to come there two to three times a month. Yeah, and and we sat there patiently because we knew all the food was worth waiting for. Yeah, I mean, sometimes he would serve us fish that he actually caught himself that yeah, morning. Yeah, he wasn't even allowed to do that. He would always say that. And it doesn't matter now. The place is long gone, but you're not allowed to catch your own fish and sell it at a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> He would go to the Fulton Market, though, all the time to get his fish. And that's where they have uh, the bidding process. You know, you get to, so you can get the best tuna, toro, all that stuff. And I don't know how he did it all, you know, doing it. But but anyway, that's uh, that's where we went after I proposed to Tara. Mm-hmm. If you have more questions for the next episode, please send them to podcast at sipandfeast.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>